0: In nomine Patris et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Now, as I think everyone here already believes, and rightly so, Christ's resurrection was physical and in the body, so I also want to talk about two effects it has in the future of human life, all of human history. Now, it starts a little scary here at the, at the beginning of this, but it gets a lot more beautiful in light. So follow me through the darkness of this sermon into the light. First, as you know, you will get judged shortly after cardiac arrest to go to heaven or hell. And this is called your particular judgment. At the final judgment or last judgment, everybody gets their body back, both those in heaven and in hell. As our Lord says in John 5, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Can you imagine being in hell forever with your body? This is what our Lord is saying. But as it's Easter season, let's now meditate on the eternity of heaven. Not just in a soul, as most Americans believe, but in a soul plus a body, glorifying God in a body forever. This is the Catholic Church's teaching. You will get your body back, whether you make it to heaven or hell. And this is why we have to start glorifying God in our bodies right now on earth, as the apostle says. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's 1 Corinthians 6. Our afterlife is going to be, in some sense, a continuation of our earthly life. If we have lived in a holy manner in the body on earth, not just with sweet thoughts, but in a holy manner in our body on earth, heaven will only make sense to keep living in purity and forgiveness of others. And yet, even though we'll have our physical bodies, everything will change in some sense too. The Apostle Paul writes a little bit later in Corinthians, Behold, I tell you a mystery. The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We will have a resurrected body, just like Jesus, if we make it to heaven. And a very miserable one if we make it to hell. Well, let's talk, since it's Easter, what is his body like? Well, we learn from the Gospels all week, his body is miraculous, and it can go through walls but it's physical enough for the apostles to put their fingers in his glorified wounds. How do we know we get a body such as his? Because the Bible, which is the highest level of written authority of the Catholic Church, tells us, again, 1 Corinthians, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now that line a couple sentences back, Christ is the first fruits. That means Jesus Christ is the prototype of the resurrection of the body. In other words, you will get your body back too. And this is why You must ordinarily receive his resurrected body in the Holy Eucharist worthily to be conformed to him. This is why, as I mentioned earlier, confession before approaching the altar is so tremendously important. We must be washed by the blood of Jesus in Lent in confession to worthily approach the altar normally. There was a weird line in the news today I saw. This was the headline of a weird thing in the news. It said, You can't choose an afterlife, but you can choose what happens to your body after your life. Let me repeat that. It's admittedly kind of weird and kind of new age, but we can learn something from it if we dissect it. You can choose, sorry, you can't choose an afterlife, you cannot choose an afterlife, but you can choose what happens to your body after your life. Well, hit me reading that headline, how profound our Catholic faith is, how tremendous is our freedom in Christ. That now that Christ has destroyed death by his death and restored our life and justified us by his resurrection today, the choice is truly ours. We actually can choose an afterlife. This is only because of the resurrection of Christ. If we follow Christ, we choose one afterlife, heaven. If we follow the world, we choose the other afterlife, elevator down. But if Christ had not come, there would be no choice. We would all have gone to hell. Thank you, Jesus, for your incarnation, your death, and your resurrection today especially. What freedom this gives us to choose. People make fun of Christians saying, we don't have any freedom. Actually, we have the most freedom. Because of the resurrection, we get to choose our afterlife. And it's just a really short life of carrying your cross. The other part of that news article is kind of true, strangely, at least if we grant the Catholic premise of Jesus' bodily resurrection. That is, we actually do get to choose what happens to our body after we die. You see, if we choose Christ and the holy law of his Catholic Church as she taught in every century before modernism infected everyone's brains, much in the same way as Arianism did in the fourth century with 99% of all Catholics then, if we follow Christ and the holy law of his Catholic Church as she has taught in every century, excluding Four global crises of faith, then we know we get our bodies back in heaven at the end of time because of Christ's great act of love, of dying and rising for us. The choice is actually ours if we want to receive our glorified body back in heaven. And then one more thought for you on how the resurrection affects the future of humanity. I think we we Catholics tend to think of Good Friday as the justice of God. And the resurrection as the mercy of God, and that's totally true. But the opposite is also true, namely that Christ won mercy for us on the cross, and today, and today the day of the resurrection shows God's justice, namely that evil men will not have the last word. Not only in Christ's life, but all of human history, as it says in the Psalms: "Arise, O Lord, let man not prevail." Let man not prevail. I love that, especially after 2020 and 2021. To be honest, I've been so saddened at how people in this country started acting last year and into this year as possessed or at least diabolically obsessed as maybe people in the French Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution. It seems half of this country loves to love lies more than the truth. They won't even listen to the truth. And maybe it's always been that way. But today's resurrection proves that fallen man does not get the last word on earth. The God man risen from the dead does. Even though Christ's resurrection was absolutely physical and historical, it's also a harbinger of what is to come for all of humanity that those who falsely accuse Christ, who is the truth, capital T, would only have a very short time in the sun. Very short time, what, 36 hours? They got him tortured for seventeen hours, dead for thirty six hours, and then their lies were defeated by the resurrection. And in some sense, that's our promise for all of human history. All the lies that we see being told about a thousand things right now, they are ephemeral. They will not last. Luke eight seventeen, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Luke 8, 17, one more time. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. You see, this time on this planet is so infinitesimally short. And then at the final judgment, we will see every good deed, and sadly also every sin of every person who has ever lived, and all will be revealed. Every word, every action, even every thought will be there. I will be ashamed of many things, but not my confessed sins. And for these, we will glorify God if we were truly sorry. But at the final judgment, because of Christ's resurrection today, the following things will have no more power over human history. Lying, deceit, cheating, false accusations. Just as the Pharisees lost all their power of Christ on this glorious Sunday, this day of his resurrection, all their lies about him were defeated by the resurrection. But we will have the resurrection to think that we'll also be glorifying God's mercy forever in heaven if, please God, we make it there. Because remember, many lies, those of the Pharisees and those that we modern Christians have told, all these lies led to Christ's death. Not just the Pharisees, but the lies you, me, anyone in this room, anyone in this church has said led to Christ's death but every lie will be unveiled and the truth for everyone to see, not only those humans in heaven, but all the angels in heaven and all the damned in hell and even all the demons in hell in the final judgment when all is revealed. God will have the last word and we know this because the resurrection in some sense, even though physical, even though historical, is also a harbinger of the judgment that will happen on all of human history are you going to be caught on God's side or Satan's side? If God's side, then speak the truth boldly and clearly that Jesus Christ is true man and true God and that today he rose from the dead, defeating all death, deceit, lies, and murder. Why did he do this? First, to glorify God the Father, but secondly for his chosen ones to live in an everlasting kingdom of pure bliss, peace, joy, exalting the glory of the Holy Trinity in their bodies and souls with the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints and all of the angels forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.